Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Yishai Fleischer Show, this week broadcasting from Washington, D.C. That's right, I'm in Washington. I'm at an Airbnb right now, like a, a room uh, somewhere in the uh, kind of heart of Washington, D.C., and I flew here earlier this week uh, in order to uh, influence the influencers, right? Uh, when you're when you're Washington D.C., you're the you're the capital of the most powerful nation on the in the on the earth uh, in regular historical terms. It's today's superpower. It's also where I have a lot of background in, and where many of you uh, listeners are from. And uh, I learned throughout my travels that the United States' impact is not just here, but rather it is global. I know that you probably knew that, but like when you see it actually in action, uh, like I did in Australia, I learned a big lesson about how important it is to to be involved in uh, the way this nation thinks, because it has a global, global reach and global influence. In any case, I've been uh, going up to the Hill and lobbying, which means I've been meeting with congressmen, uh, I've also met with some folks at think tanks and got a chance to uh, present at uh, at the Heritage Foundation, which is a very prestigious think tank, um, very close to the Senate uh, here in, uh, physically speaking, close to the Senate uh, in, in Washington, D.C. I got to meet with some important staffers and even some members of the administration. And so uh, really having a, a fabulously productive time here, but at the same time, quite tiring but with all that, we still have to talk about Torah, and I think there's some things here that in Washington that, that are tied into the Torah portion, and, and the Torah portion is Truma, and it's really all about an, yet another shift uh, that we, we talk about the shifts in, in the Torah's narrative and the Torah's story. So last week we had a big shift into the, the nitty-gritty law of torts, uh, of, of, of personal injuries, and then the, the broader laws of, uh, of, of proper eating uh, to stay kosher, and then national laws uh, of coming up to Jerusalem to the temple and not giving away your land to, your, to the enemies. Uh, this week's Torah portion goes to a new place that we haven't dealt with before. It's the introduction of the tabernacle as a concept, uh, through the blueprint of how to build a tabernacle, and there's a lot to be learned from how to build a tabernacle. There's a lot to be. There's a lot of lessons in life from from uh, that we learn from from building a tabernacle. Uh, and a tabernacle is an imposing structure, and it's a capital structure. And I've been thinking about structures as as I look at the United States Capitol, and the Supreme Court, and the and the Senate, and and House buildings. And you think about really creating a place that gives honor to the law and the decisions and to mankind. Um, in this case, in the case of the tabernacle, uh, the Torah tells us right off the bat that this is for God. This is really to honor God. And, and we learn in the, in the second verse uh, that, the, that the children of Israel are supposed to bring to me, they should bring to me, um, offerings, uh, uh, v- voluntary gifts uh, that they want to see this tabernacle being built to me, so they should bring me voluntary gifts, but they have to bring it to me. And and many of the commentators basically say that this is this is the very simple and basic idea 
that the tabernacle is meant to be a service of God. It's, a, it's supposed to be a thing that honors God. And that, yes, it's very physical, and yes, um, mankind often yearns for a, a way to serve God that we can understand in this lower domain, but it's not to be self-serving. And this is what I've talked about on, on the show so often as one of the greatest challenges of idolatry is, is self-serving. And, and, and really, what's, what's so ironic is that we're really, our bodies are really created to be self-serving in many ways. Just, just the idea of surviving is oftentimes very self-serving. So uh, God lays it out that the first thing I want you to know is that this tabernacle is not meant to be just a, uh, a way for you to figure out how to, how to uh, worship that gives you satisfaction. It's really, it's really meant for me. I'll give you a little example that happened to me in Washington here. Uh, I looked down at my shoes and I thought to myself, my shoes do not give honor uh, to my feet, maybe, right? The, the, the shoes, I, I needed, in simple terms, I, I needed a new pair of shoes for the meetings that I was having because the shoes that I, that I wore, uh, I have some issues with my, with my arch. I've mentioned this before uh, on my right foot. And so I have this plantar fasciitis thing, whatever it is. I, I suffer from some from some issues in my right arch, and finding a pair of shoes that's nice is, and comfortable is not easy, not easy at all. And so, uh, anyway, I popped into a store and I and I deliberated whether I should I purchase uh, a pair of of shoes uh, in order to to look a little bit nicer. And at first, I didn't want to do it, but then I remembered that that I'm really taking, I'm not I'm not putting on nice shoes to honor myself. I'm not trying to bring myself into this world. I'm trying to bring Hashem into this world. I'm trying to, I'm, you know, he, he has given birth to us. Now it's time to give birth to him in, in this world, bring him into this lower domain. Um, and so the proper shoes were important, not for me personally, uh, but, but really to bring grandeur to, uh, to God's grand name in this world. And so his representatives or people who try to be his representatives have to look nice. So that's like a little example where like I, I may have looked a little bit nicer, but the point was it was really it was really in my mind uh, uh, like holy truma. Um, the next thing I want to talk about for a second is that uh, we learn about a lot of the uh, vessels or the furnishings uh, of the tabernacle. And one of the interesting things is that some of the vestments, not of vessels, excuse me, the furnishings, some of them, not all of them have a kind of crown a kind of lattice crown that's not too tall, just a few inches high, that goes around the, this, these particular objects. And there are really three of them. There's the, uh, there's the table. That's the table that holds the showbread. It has a uh, crown around it. Uh, so too does the golden, the golden uh, altar. The Mizbeach HaZahav, which is really an incense altar in the uh, uh, right that stands right before the Holy of Holies, and then there's also the beautiful Aron Aedut, the, uh, the the Ark of the Covenant, and it also has a kind of lattice work um, crown around it uh, beneath what what people visualize where the cherubs are. Like around the edge of the of the kind of box, there is this uh, this lattice work uh, crown. 
And our, our rabbis teach us that these, these are really representative of three crowns, as Rabbi Shimon says in Pirkei Avot. There's really three crowns. There's really three crowns in this world. And, and, and the, the, the first crown of the table uh, is, um, is the crown of, of monarchy, because the crown around the table represents uh, blessings of welfare. And who gives you welfare? Who protects the state so that there's welfare? It's the monarch. And so there's the Davidic monarchy or other monarchies, and, and that is the crown of monarchy. And, then there, and that's a kind of person, right? That's the head of the, head of the whole thing. Then there is the, the, the incense altar, the golden altar, which has a crown. That's the crown of priesthood. That's the crown of, of inner, uh, inner sanctum and, and bringing us to a, a different spiritual height. And on the one hand, we're a nation of priests. On the, on the other hand, we have priests within our nation of priests. And so they serve. They are the ones that serve inside the temple. And uh, that's, that's their crown. And then there's the crown the holiest of all the crowns is not the crown of monarchy or the crown of, of, of priesthood. Rather, the crown that's in the holy of holies is the crown of Torah, which is the crown around the Ark of the Covenant. Of course, that's the, Ark of, that's the crown of Torah. And yet, how interesting it is that this crown is the one that's accessible to all of us. Anybody can don the crown of Torah. It is open for all of us. And that's an amazing thing. Uh, Rabbi Shimon in, in that Mishnah in the Ethics of Our Fathers also adds one more thing, that there's yet a fourth crown, and that's the crown of a good name. The crown of the good name goes above all of those things. Keter Shemtov, the crown of a, of a good name. It's a person who, who has a good name in life, uh, gets to, to, uh, to don that, that incredible crown. Okay, so uh, we learn about the, uh, the furnishings uh, in this Torah portion, we, we learn, and I just want to make one more uh, small uh, thought about the furnishings. We learned that there's a screen between the Holy of Holies and the, the rest of the uh, tabernacle. There's like a screen. That you can't just get to the Holy of Holies. You've got to pass a kind of screen and, and get there. And I saw the Chalban, one of the a very incredible, famous personality rabbi and spiritual teacher that passed away only a few months ago, um, he writes that uh, the screen is there to tell us um, that, that what's within the Holy of Holies is the Ark of the Covenant. He says that's the mind. That's the mi- mind. And the mind is separated from the rest of the body. And he says there are very lofty heights which we can reach with our mind, the loftiest of heights we can reach with our mind. He says, but the work of getting those lofty ideas down back to the heart is not a simple proposition. It's very hard to make, uh, to get those um, um, understandings, those deep understandings to come and trickle down into the heart so that we could be really moved um, to change. He says, he says, it's not easy to change. It's easy to, to come to the consciousness of change. But to trickle that consciousness of change down to the heart and to really be a better person, even though you came to the conclusion that you should judge people wisely, they should not uh, defy, defy your mouth with cursing, etc. Whatever decision you came to, the places that you shouldn't look, t- time that you shouldn't waste, um, the mind is very good at analyzing and coming to conclusions. It's the, um, it's the moving of, of the 
the big ideas from the brain into the heart, uh, there's a screen there, and it's it's, it's semi permeable. It's not that easy to get things to change, and that's something that we all have to work on to really those great ideas, those great understandings, to move them down to the heart. Yes, folks. So I'm here in uh, in uh, beautiful Washington D.C. It is a it is a it is a nice town. It is a good town. And it definitely is a town with a with a certain kind of purpose. It knows itself, which I respect. It has its own culture. Um, and uh, when you're here, you, you're certainly you know there's certainly something impressive. And as I was saying to you, but throughout I've been just listening to podcasts as I'm walking through the city. I'm trying to do a lot of walking just to get my exercise, my steps. And uh, there's there's a there's there's a reminder of the grandeur that is the. Uh, I'm I'm happy that I got to be here during Pasha Truma to to concentrate on the grandeur that is uh, the, the tabernacle and later the temple. Um, and and there is an interesting verse, which is uh, kind of two verses that say like, "Do as I've shown you here on the mountain," and especially about the menorah, God says. Uh, uh, you know, make it as a, as I have shown it to you, and the rabbis say that uh, that Moses that Moses had a hard time conceiving of what the menorah was supposed to look like only from audio, and he needed to get an explanation, a show of it. And uh, I can understand that a menorah is very hard to conceptualize, uh, but I think there could be another meaning, and, and that meaning is that uh, is that actually. Moses was shown all these things at the burning bush. The burning bush, when God showed Moses the burning bush, he basically said, let me show you everything. Let me show you the big dream. Let me show you the the future, the way it's going to look. Let me show you the tabernacle. Let me show you Jerusalem. Let me show you a a perfected world. And that's why when when I... when I give you the commandment to make the, the, the vessels and the vestments, it's, it's the way you were shown. I showed you the original blueprint from the world when we met at Sinai originally. When you saw that burning bush, you actually saw the menorah and you saw everything else. You saw the whole story. And now I'm just reminding you about the details of it. Recreate it. Make it happen. Move towards that great goal. And that's, of course, our great teacher Moses, um, who, who, who was... Uh, a person who didn't lose uh, those proper conscious moments and was was able to, how should we say, retain it perfectly uh, and, and really um, uh, truthfully be able to pass it on to, uh, and fully be able to pass it on to uh, his people, the nation of Israel. He was a um, an accurate uh, and truthful emissary. Uh, but he was given the whole picture ahead of time, I think. That's something that, that I feel in my heart. Um, I want to wish, to, to wildly digress, I want to wish uh, the folks who are celebrating Ash Wednesday, which is a Christian holiday, um, uh, today at Congress I saw a lot of people with the ash on their foreheads. And I have to say to you that I thought to myself, uh, that this is, we, we have in Judaism, and maybe the Christian uh, right of that comes from it, but we have we have such customs as well to put ash on the forehead uh, of a, of a man about to get married, 
to remember Jerusalem, to remember the temple. And I read on Wikipedia that Ash Wednesday is all about remembering that we all come back to the ground. But in a, but in a world that is post-God and post-faith, uh, it was nice to see uh, people that, that have a, um, a, a religious feeling. Uh, I may disagree with uh, the, the tenets of their faith, uh, and I may, uh, you know, uh, have some critiques. But I'm telling you honestly, there, there's something, uh, there's, there's, it's interesting because I was recently, uh, I, 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 I saw some real idolatry. Let's just put it that way. I saw some real idolatry. And so, uh, I, you know, and, and I'm commanded and I am allergic to that. Um, but in this case, just to see people uh, celebrating, remembering that we are but dust, uh, it, it gave me it gave me a joy that there is uh, um, still people who, who who want to believe in God and to show that publicly. I thought that was kind of cool. There were just people all over um, all over Congress with just an, an ash on their head on their forehead, and I thought that that was pretty cool. Uh, so just uh, uh, there's uh, nobody could tell me that there was some kind of phrase to say for this uh, for this holiday, but. Uh, be that as it may, uh, respect. And by the way, when I see Muslims praying, uh, part of me is horrified because I'm thinking, what are they? What do they really believe? And then there's a part of me that says, well, at least they're praying. At least, at least they're talking spirituality. That's a good thing in our world today. Um, the coronavirus is out there. Uh, I uh, flew on the airplane on the United airplane. I usually fly El Al. But because of Zionism, I am flying United. Does that make sense to you? You would think that as a Zionist, I would fly El Al, and, and generally that is true. Uh, but in this case, I needed to get back and vote in, in time, because we do have our third election that we have to vote for. And so um, um, I'm flying a different airline that flies right out of Washington, D.C. I'm flying United. Um, and I flew with a face mask. I flew with a face mask. Uh, and I even wiped down everything around me. And the coronavirus is—is—is is it, is it just a scare? Is it very, very real? Is it much worse than we have been told? I don't know. But my wife said this is the time to take precautions, and she wanted me to stay healthy. And I even saw that Prime Minister Netanyahu, who came to Hebron, uh, to to the tomb of the fathers and mothers recently, uh, refused to shake hands with people because it was a national security threat. Uh, that he would catch any any virus, and therefore he was uh, uh, quite reticent to actually extend his actual hand. So the coronavirus is out there, and I want to pray for everybody to have health uh, and to overcome this corona um, pandemic. I hope that it's not as bad as they say, and I would love to hear your uh, your opinion on the matter. Let me know uh, if you think it's it's uh, all that that they're saying it is. In any case, people have died, and we really do have to pray. And I, I want to urge everybody to pray a little bit, not just for your own safety, but for other people's safety, that uh, this uh, plague doesn't uh, take up the world. And I saw that Rabbi Shmuel Eliyahu uh, made a big prayer session at the Kotel for victims of uh, countries like China who suffer from this thing. And you know what? Uh, uh, millions of Chinese responded to the kindness of Rabbi Shmuel Eliyahu. They were amazed that somebody cared. And that just goes to show you that, it, that it's so important that, that somebody, uh, you know, that, that we pray as Jews 
and as lovers of, of mankind, that we pray for them. And again, back to the idea that, that Hashem, uh, it's His world, we have to honor Him, um, and we have to see the beauty in the, in the creations that really reflect God. So it is, it is definitely a pleasure to be with you here. Um, and I'll just want to finish off by telling you that, that in the main, what I'm doing here in Washington is that I'm uh, trying to teach about the rights of Jews in the heartland of Judea, Jewish rights in Judea. And um, I'm trying very hard to uh, be a teacher and also to try to shape policy in that direction. Tomorrow I'm going to CPAC, and at CPAC I have two, two things. One is an event that I'm running called the Israel Heartland Reception, along with the many great organizations where we're coming together to make a reception for the rights of Jews in Judea and Samaria. And then we have, uh, from there, uh, I'm on a panel on a Friday, way before Shabbat. The panel is about uh, what the map of Israel should look like, or maybe the question should should anybody other than Israel and and the God of Israel be in charge of uh, the map of Israel? So uh, I'll be uh, on a panel at CPAC about that. And then I'll be a little bit Sunday at APAC. And there's a lot of discussion about APAC, a lot of discussion who's showing up and who's not showing up. Um, you know, the Jewish state is moving ahead and it's being built and that's really what's important. Um, maybe you can hear it into my voice. I'm, I'm a tad tired. <laughs> I thank you, Hashem, so much for, for giving us the chance to, to be tired and to get, uh, re, you know, renewed uh, and, uh, and um, recharged. Uh, I hope that you guys are out there are charged up for an amazing cause and an amazing time. Um, and that we together realize that we really are building an amazing tabernacle and that is the Jewish people in the land of Israel. That's, that itself is a great tabernacle until that day where we actually see a full and beautiful and very, very real, very, very touchable, very hearable and very beautiful uh, a third temple in the land of Israel in Yerushalayim, Ir HaKodesh. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu saw and that's the vision that we're, we are working towards. God bless you folks wherever you wherever you are around the world. Write me an email, yishaitthelandofisrael.com and uh, send me your blessings, your strength. Uh, you know, when, when you send strength into the ether, um, it's it's like you're you're really sending an embrace, a, 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 a slap on the back, a good, a kind word. It really makes a tremendous difference. So write an email, yishaitthelandofisrael.com Let me know what you think of this week's show. Let me know anything. would love to hear from you. And we'll read more of your responses next week, Bezrat Hashem, with the help of God. And lots of uh, strength. I am looking forward to finishing up this week and heading back to the land of Israel and being with you again. Shabbat Shalom and God bless. Oh, and of course, oh my gosh, how did I forget this? Happy new month of Adar. Happy new month of Adar. This is the month of Purim. This is the month of, of overcoming all of our obstacles, of flipping the, the, the fear mongers uh, on their head. That's an amazing holiday. We'll talk more about that next week. So Shabbat Shalom from Washington, of course, doing a, a walking towards the land of Israel from Washington, D.C. Shabbat Shalom and God bless.